0: episode 53 descending the corporate ladder with kathy robinson welcome to the story in your head i'm ron macklin and today deb myself and guest kathy robinson discuss descending the corporate ladder while maintaining your wellness we also explore how to recognize expectations and to shift your lifestyle to feel more fulfilled Are you looking to strengthen your relationships, whether personally or professionally? You want to learn how to build authentic connections faster, or perhaps you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection? My name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection, and in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. Welcome to the Story in Your Head podcast. Today we have Kathy with Athena Wellness. Kathy, welcome to the show. If you could kind of start with a short elevator speech on like who you are so our listeners can actually begin to know a little bit more about you.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for having me on as well. So I'm Kathy Robinson. I am a former executive who spent 33 years in corporate life. I left at the height of my career to become a wellness entrepreneur. So after 18 years on Wall Street and then 15 years for a Fortune 250, I left corporate life as a chief audit executive and chief risk officer to do what I do today. So Athena Wellness is a company that helps professionals stay well while they're ascending the corporate ladder and also when they're ready, help them mindfully descend it and invite what's next.
2: Thank you. You triggered me with thinking about descending the ladder because <laughs> we, <laughs> we 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 spend so much time trying to ascend it. Tell me more about that, about what it means to descend the corporate ladder.
1: Yeah. And and to do it mindfully, right? Mm -hmm. And I think this is really, it's been said that the longest journey we'll ever have in our life is the one from head to heart. And that's the way I think about this. So as successful type A's, and I'm raising my hand here, right? That's what kept us going all of those years to be able to produce, to be able to execute, to be able to get on to the next thing, to think strategically, but then act tactically, all coming from that left brain. And what I found was, as I was thinking about leaving corporate life, I didn't want to recreate as as wonderful as my career was, and as much success as I enjoyed, I didn't want to recreate it when I was creating Athena Wellness. And so then it made me really think about, well, what are my non-negotiables? What is it that I really want to focus on? And that got me into this idea of wholeheartedness. And when I wrote my first book, The Athena Principles, it was about that journey and realizing that we kind of do that throughout our career, at least I did, like there were these turning points, but I never really gave them credence. It was just an evolving life. But when you're really mindful about how you want to create this next phase, you do get to choose. Do you want to come from the heart space? Or do you want to stay? And there's nothing wrong with staying in your type A kind of life. Like it works great for some people. But if you're looking for a different way, that opportunity is there. And so not only do we mindfully descend the ladder, I call it going from type A to type B, B-E, how to be in the heart space as you're inviting what's next.
0: Thanks, Kathy. So, so that we, like our listeners, we all are, have a, a common understanding what does the word wholehearted mean to you?
1: Mm. For me, I think back to one of my favorite poets, David White. I saw him back in 2013 or so. I was still at the, at the pinnacle of my corporate career. And he's speaking, talking about when he was working for a nonprofit and was just depleted and exhausted. And he went to a friend and said, tell me about exhaustion. And his friend said, The antidote to exhaustion is not rest. The antidote to exhaustion is wholeheartedness. You feel exhausted because you can't be wholehearted in the world. And that really gave me pause. I started asking myself, well, where am I showing up wholeheartedly, my whole self? And where am I not? Where am I showing up so I can do that next thing, get that next thing done? And so that kind of became that journey of going from head to heart and thinking about what does that mean? It's a very unique journey. You know, it's it's you can't you can't cookie cut it and say okay, you know, you follow these steps and you get to wholeheartedness. It's a very different journey. I can give direction, but what that actually means to people, what is it that makes you feel alive? What is it that makes you not feel drained but feel energized? That's the quality that we're looking for in wholeheartedness.
0: That's great. There's another word, and I want to work on just to understand where you're at one of the sayings that you always hear like well if you if you ask a room of people what trust is you're going to get as many answers of what trust is as or there are people and i think there's even a bigger word that people don't have a common understanding for and that is be mm-hmm. or being mm-hmm. and, and and they go like being yeah well oh i'm a human being oh really what does being mean and they go i don't know what what is it to you how do you use it in your life yeah be be to be or being
1: yeah. To, to, to me, it is getting quiet enough to be able to hear your own inner wisdom. And that was the whole idea behind Athena and why I chose Athena. Athena had the, the shield, she had the strength, but she also had the owl on the shoulder, right? That, that inner knowing, that wisdom. And for me, when I am being, when I am really being me wholly myself there's a, a still point, there's a quiet point that I'm able to connect to that I know. It's not about what I'm hearing. It's not about what I'm expected to do. It's not about the shoulds. It is about what is that right next step for me. And I think where people get tripped up sometimes is that when we embark on this wholehearted journey, we think we're, we're going to see the entire path in front of us. And I I felt that way as well. You know, I was like, oh, I've got my plan. I'm ready to go. It unfolds and it unfolds one step at a time. And so I think the ability to be able to especially if you are in transition to you know going from from one type of life to another there's a whole permission phase there to just be to be able to listen to be able to let the old identity disintegrate so a new one can take its place we want to just superimpose the new one over the old one and get on with things and it has been my experience that even though i've tried that isn't the way it has worked for me
2: yeah thank you i i i'm triggered to think about our listeners who are sitting here saying what did it feel like to not be wholehearted like they're trying to figure out how do i get to that space how do i even start on that journey to become wholehearted and what what did it feel like before you embarked on that journey
1: <laughs> well What you've heard about Wall Street in the 90s and 2000s are true, right? It was like work hard, play hard. And it was actually through, I I broke a cardinal rule and actually took a longer vacation, knowing that once I did that, I was going to have to leave Wall Street because it was kind of frowned upon at the time. I'm guessing things have changed, but at the time, that wasn't the way you played. And it was in that trip, it was in that time period, and it was a long road trip, so I had some time just to kind of be and listen, and realize, you've got to make a change here. So I know, and, and it has happened more than once in my career. That one, was I was probably the most physically, mentally, and spiritually depleted. And it was less about, even though I was working crazy hours, people think like, you know, you're working so hard, that's what does the burnout. It's actually the disconnect. It's the disconnect to the being. It's the mm. disconnect to that silence, to that inner stillness, to that inner wisdom. That's what I was disconnected to. So I wasn't really me. I couldn't bring my whole self to work. And so I think when I joined the two, Fortune 250 after that, I had more of an ability to be able to do that. But then when you get to do your own, you know, create your own business and your own your own thing, you get to do that even more and you don't have to quit your job. This was, a, this was an ongoing, an evolution. You know, this wasn't a revolution. I just didn't walk in one day and say, I quit. I was actually giving this some thought as I was going through and bringing more and more of myself to my current situation to be able to exercise those muscles a little bit. That's not what we're rewarded for, right? So it takes some time to learn. What does it even feel like to do that? And I would say, you know, you start with the smallest thing. And I can give you a a quick example. So I reported to the board of directors was my functional report and the CFO as my administrative report. And one of the things that I loved was writing and story. Just loved it. And so I found a way to bring story and now unbeknownst to the board and my boss, how might I be able to bring story into my quarterly board updates without it being, well, let me tell you a story. It was more of my process. How did I prepare? How did I, how can I tell the story of what happened in the company this past quarter in a way that it fed me because it was my writing process and it also was a value to the company. And so I think there is that sweet spot in the Venn diagram. If you can think about the things that bring you alive in that small way and the things that serve the situation that you're in, how might you be able to start
2: to bring yourself in that way? Well, that's amazing. Yeah, because some people think, oh, I just have to quit, right? I can't be in this space and be who I want to be. But you're bringing a different perspective of, no, you can be, you can be. Who you are, but bring it to where you are. Exactly. And meet yourself where
1: you are. And it doesn't have to be a big public declaration, right? It can be in a way, because it's really about feeding yourself. It's not about trying to, you know, mark something on the, tick something off on the list,
0: right? Ah, thank you. Thanks. So when I listen to your story and your, like what your market, your audience is and what you're looking to help, right? It also resonates that there might be, some of the people that are in their twenties and thirties who are going like, I don't want to do a 30 year corporate gig and then go do this. I want to be this now. So what do you open for them or, or what advice would you give them or what stories would you share with them around starting now?
1: Yeah, I love that. And actually that's what gives me a lot of hope and, and inspiration that People aren't waiting until they're fifty-five like I was, right? It's just like, hey, why, why would I do this? It's like that's not a question that you know when you <laughs> when you leave college with a lot of college debt. It's like that wasn't a question to ask, right? It was just okay. How do I how do I go in and, and make the most out of this? So I applaud anybody. And this is about transition in general, right? How can you turn life transitions into an opportunity for transformation? So the first thing I would tell them is to first get clear for themselves. What's important to you. So, and I think that's harder for a younger generation because there's more incoming coming at them. But that's why that, uh, that first step of creating some space of creating some, some quiet can be really helpful. And it doesn't have to be like a, a, serious meditation practice or journaling practice, just five minutes. You could do a little bullet journaling. That was really helpful to me. Like when I didn't have time to sit and write for hours and hours A little bullet journal might be enough to be able to capture those ideas. What are the things that are attractive to you? It could be something like, you know, there's something that happens when the leaves are turning. I'm looking outside my window now. The leaves are turning. Like, that means something. Well, could it be color? Maybe it's art. Maybe it's nature. What about that is really exciting you? So I would start there. And then I would give give myself permission. How can I give myself permission just to be in the space of not knowing? Because... I think that liminal space is where all of the, like that's kind of the sweet spot, but it's also an uncomfortable spot, you know? So you're you're kind of letting yourself not know. And especially for type A's, like myself, that is a really, I got paid to know for a long time. And now suddenly there's this part of me that says, it's okay if you don't know. But I think that's part of the process. And then I would question assumptions. Where did they come from? Like for me, a lot of it came from coming from a blue collar family, first one to graduate college, first one to be in a corporate space. I felt that drive of having to prove myself to myself, really, where did that come from? So, so trying to unpack, is it mine or is it, somebody else's, is it somebody else's expectations that I'm trying to meet? So trying to get clear on that. And then I would have, this is the fun part, That then that's the introspection. And then the fun part is in the action. How do I explore new activities? So when I turned fifty, and I was thinking about, gee, in five years I could retire. What would that look like? I started experimenting with things, with with wellness things, with you know, ultra marathoning and 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 these long distance sports and sports nutrition and trying out. You know what? I love to cook, but do I want to be a chef? Not when I'm fifty five, you know. Or I I love personal training. Do I want to show up at three o'clock for an appointment on Thursday? Nope, I kind of did that. So trying to figure out what is it that's really going to align with the values that you're, that you're defining for yourself. And then taking small steps. You know, one of the practices, I have a number of practices that I work with my clients and students. And one of them is just taking these small positive steps. And it could be, you know, some of these take like five minutes. So it's not a huge time implement, but it's a way of trying things out and then checking back in, coming back to the heart how did that feel? That's not something we usually ask ourselves. It's usually like, did it work? Is there you know, is there a long-term future? Is there a viable future in this? This is more of a, how did that make me feel? Because if it made you feel good, if it made you feel at ease, that's a great sign. If it made you feel constricted, you might want to look at that and maybe try something else. So it's a wonderful way to experiment and then bring some of the things into your daily life that feel good.
0: There's a word you used in there, uh, called giving permission, giving yourself permission. That's, that's not a space we've normally been in in our life where we say, I give you permission to do this, talking to yourself. right? Can you say a little bit more about that? Like how, how does that show up for you or how have you helped other people work on giving themselves permission?
1: Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm smiling because they always say that you, you teach what you most need to learn. <laughs> this is one of those things because there was never a, a question of like, gee, what would I like to do? Or, gee, why do I do that? It's always on to the next thing. So this idea of giving yourself permission, it's about if you want to, if you're thinking about living in a different way, you've got to do things differently. And so it's the permission to be in that space of not knowing what that thing is. You, It's a it's almost like a, a, a revelation, like you're you're walking towards something rather than trying to figure it out. And that's actually the, the language of the heart, right? It's, it's, it's a movement, it's uh, an invitation, it's not a task. And so that's what I mean about giving yourself the space to do things a little bit differently. And when you catch yourself trying to think it through, trying to be logical, trying to be linear, to just pause and see might there be another way might there be a different way might it be okay if i just stay where i am that was another thing that i was really not good at was that next step what if i just stay where i am you know in in the course that i created this idea of going from type a to type b i used the analogy of the of the butterfly right of the caterpillar to the butterfly this metamorphosis and in between when that caterpillar prepares and wraps itself in a cocoon before it becomes this beautiful butterfly it disintegrates to nothing. And it's called what I call being in the goo. Right? So can you give yourself permission to be in the goo with the trust? You use the word trust before, the trust and the faith that there's enough DNA here that a butterfly will emerge. I don't know what it's gonna look like, I don't know where it's gonna fly off to, but can I be in the goo long enough to gain strength? Because the other thing with the metamorphosis is that if you try to help that butterfly out, out of that cocoon, out of that struggle it will die part of the strength building is being in that cocoon and figuring it out and so can we give ourselves permission to be there and it comes back to the word be
2: yeah i have so many questions <laughs> here's here's a barrage one of the things you talked about expectations I, i'm i'm playing with this that you mentioned expectations and then really noticing yourself and i i think about i have three kids that are you know 19 up to 24 and they're trying to figure it out and trying to notice themselves and where they are in the world versus expectations that are put upon them and I mean expectations of school or expectations of the world and how do you how do you help people like notice themselves more so they can notice does this bring me joy? How how do do you slow down enough to really be able to notice that, notice yourself? Yeah.
1: You know, I think one of the wonderful things as you get older is that you've got hindsight. And so I look at, you know, when I think about how I started on Wall Street in the mid-80s and how the corporate world has changed, like I know people who are coming into it now feel like, oh, there's got to be a change, there's got to be a shift. It's like, it has been ever-evolving you know, at least in in my lifetime, like looking back, you know, three and a half decades, it's like it really has changed. And I think part of that comes with for a younger generation to know that you're in time in a particular place. And I mean, all you have to do is look outside, right, the seasonality, and that's everywhere. And so you mentioned a really important point of how do you slow down enough. So that's not something that I can mandate with the people that I work with. But it is something that I wholeheartedly recommend that they do take that time because you know when I was at my busiest I would take in the mornings I would set my alarm for five minutes and I used to get up ridiculously early because I was I was trying to to do you know get this business up and running while kind of finishing out my my corporate career and so the coffee pot would go off at three forty five, so I would have like five minutes and I would set my alarm and I would get back into bed and I would just put my hand over my heart and say for the next five minutes nobody needs you and you don't need to make a decision. Five minutes. And the alarm would go off and I would get on with my very busy day. Next morning, I would do that again. What happens when you turn that into a consistent practice, you want more time in that space. At first, it feels uncomfortable. It's like, is it a minute yet? You know, like a minute goes by, you know, and you get antsy. But once you learn to be in that place, you find you want more. And then on the weekends, you'd be like, wow, it would be really nice to go for an hour walk. And, and then that turned into, gee, it would be really nice to take a half day and go on a hike. So over time, that feeds itself. It's like, you know, that old adage about, you know, the who wins, you know, in, 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 this, in this war between the good wolf and the bad wolf. It's like the one you feed. How do you feed? And you only need to feed it five minutes at a time. It will take a life on of its own and, and point you in the direction. But you do need that quiet time. But even if it's five minutes, so that's usually where we start.
2: Yeah, that's amazing because I think of all the distractions that there are in the world today and just taking that time away to notice. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah.
1: And I will tell you that once you do find a way to spend more time there, you're really mindful of what's coming in and you realize that you do have a choice. No one is, I mean, yes, we have to do things in our professional lives for sure. I do too. But it's up to us to put those boundaries around that. And it doesn't happen overnight, but you can work towards something. Now, I am really mindful of what's coming in. What is taking me off of this time? Because it becomes the most quality time that you have in your life, not only with yourself, but with others. And then people actually can recognize they don't know what's changed. I just had lunch with a a former colleague last week and he's just like, God, you know, like I, I was his boss at one time. It's like, I listened to your podcast. I was like, who is that person? (laughs) That wasn't my boss, right? So they can't put their finger on it. But I really think it's a a presence. Once you're able to be present with yourself, you can be present for somebody else. And I think that's the investment. And so if we're going to make changes and we have to talk to our family, we have to talk to our coworkers, we have to talk to our bosses, whoever it is that's in our lives, How do you come up with those arrangements? Because the investment that you're making in yourself will pay dividends for them. And you've got to be able to have that conversation.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Kathy. The story that you had for yourself around wanting to start a new business, like that scares a lot of people, right? It really scares them. How did you lead yourself in that story? Mm -hmm.
1: It took time. Like I said, I had, I know not everybody has the ability some people, the decision is made for them. I actually did have some time to give this some thought. And so at first it was a little bit of play of like, it started with the question of how would I want to spend my time when I was in my, in my early fifties. And I never asked myself that question and I didn't know how to answer it. And so talk about giving yourself permission. It's like, how do I just hold that question and how do I explore? And at that time I was on, a lot of my time was on airplanes and in airports And, you know, 38,000 feet above sea level. And I would use that time to do things that I loved. And so when I looked at what I was reading and the things that I was doing, it was all around wellness. There was, it was exercise, nutrition, yes, but it was meditation and it was about being in nature and it was about simplicity. And, and, and when I looked at it, it's like, this is all about living a well-lived life. So when I define wellness, it's really mind, body, spirit, wellness, And so I began to think about, well, how might I be able to create a business? Because I knew I wanted to create a business around this idea of wellness. And then I found, oh, there's such such a thing as a wellness coach. Well, let me look into that. And then going through the process that I mentioned before of what do I want to do with my days? How do I want to structure them? And how don't I? And I was like, you know, it needs to be lucrative. This isn't a hobby. It needs to be portable, And it needs to be creative. So I want to be able to work anywhere and I want to bring some creativity to this. So what might that look like? And so it was all these really small steps over a period of time. As it got closer and I actually had to say the words, I'm retiring (laughs) and tell that to the board, I will tell you, I had a moment. I was getting ready for work one morning and I have never experienced a panic attack, but I'm guessing this is pretty close to that where I just froze. And I had this thought, my mom had passed a, a while back and I almost could hear her like, are you crazy? <laughs> this has been like, you have had a reliable ATM machine for years. Like, what are you doing? And I, and I just had that moment. And then I thought, well, if you were going to create a brand new business or a brand new team, who would you hire? Who would be your first hire? It would be me. And it's like, okay, so if you would be your first hire and where have you ever had a really big failure? Really couldn't call one to Miami. We've all had missteps, but like that ultimate horrible failure, no? Okay, so if you haven't really had a failure and you would hire you, like, what's the problem? Like, what are you really afraid of? Like, what if it's not about being afraid of failing, but what if you surpass like where you were? Like, that's an option as well and this incredible calm came over me. This was back in probably 2018 and it has never left. It's this sense of like this hasn't unfolded the way I thought. I didn't think I was going to be talking yeah, about so you know changing at midlife like that was going to be my my thing. I thought it was going to be this wellness thing, but it has morphed and shifted. It's like it's okay. It's I feel I'm where I need to be. And again, it's just having that keeping that faith that hey, the next step, you're, you're on your path. It's not up to me to determine where it's going. It's up to me to determine that I am bringing my whole self to that next step and I am listening
2: for that next one. Oh, that's amazing. I, I hear in that peace, <laughs> like a sense of profound peace that you found within yourself. That's what, that's what I was noticing. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and that's very different too, right? There's, there's not a lot of peace in the corporate world. You've got to really eke that out. Yeah, I was noticing also you so we talked a little bit about burnout and as people are thinking about making this transition or this transformation especially those that are overworked. I know you've developed some principles to think about that. Can you tell us can you tell us more about that? Yeah,
1: so when I was leaving corporate, I felt like I needed to somehow record my my methodology. I was in my mid fifties and I felt fitter in my fifties than I did in my thirties. So I'm like, what was that journey? I needed to articulate it for myself so I could, you know, articulate, articulate it to others. And so I came up with this idea of the Athena principles. And the first one was the one that I came to last, which is why it's first. And that was about self-compassion. And then it went to intention. So this idea of not setting goals, but setting intentions, because that's more from the heart. And then it's consistency, which is, although it's mom and apple pie, it's the secret sauce to it all of how do you show up for yourself and give yourself that honored space. And then it's growth mindset because, you know, just like I had that moment of like, God, oh, this could be a failure. It's like, well, it also could be a huge success. So how do you want to frame this? And so it's not about positive mindset. A lot, a lot of times people think that it's just all rose colored glasses. like, no. There is going, there are going to be ups and downs, but am I going to go up and down with them? Or is there some way that I can find a way of noticing that they're there, but not getting pulled down by it? And then the last one was accountability. Accountability that shifted as well. It's, it's not the checking off on a, on a, on a checklist anymore. It's about, did you show up for yourself in what way? If you didn't, how do you compassionately adjust, which leads you back to the first principle And then to celebrate the wins, which was something that I wasn't really great at and still have to kind of remind myself that, hey, it's okay to to give yourself a little pat on the back that that's 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 okay.
0: That's great. Kathy, if if you had a magic wand, you can go Harry Potterish on it and go the Elderberry wand and you could produce whatever you wanted in the next five years with your business, with you and your coaching and your everything else. What would make you happy?
1: Mm. I think it's this it's less about what it is that I'm creating and more about that the message is getting out that midlife or any transitional period is a time of reinvention. It's a time of reimagining. It's a time of trying to think about what could be. There was a a story that I heard recently. I, I recently wrote a, a blog post called Retirement is a verb. And that was because I heard the story of a senator who was recalling that back in the 1960s, there was a lawyer who saw some of the social unrest in the South and wanted to do something to help. And went into, he was a lawyer, he went into his law office on Monday and said to his assistant, and again, this is in the 1960s, I want to volunteer an hour of my time. And the result of this was helping families who would have been unable to purchase homes in upscale communities to help them do so. And the person who was who was telling the story was actually the recipient of this lawyer's, now he's a grown man now, but is an Ivy League educated person who said, I would have never had the opportunity if it wasn't for that one hour of time. And it, re- it still gives me chills every time I think about it, because I think about Think about this wave of folks that are coming, whether it's people in their 20s and 30s saying there has to be another way, or there are people who have a lot of experience saying, I want to I want to try to do something else. What could we collectively do together? I mean, the world needs, <laughs> it needs our intention, Needs it needs us to roll up our sleeves. And it doesn't matter what it is, but it's that it's something. Because the Wall Street Journal, there was a At the end of the lockdown, there were a series of articles where the biggest demographic returning to work were people between the ages of 55 and 65 who quote unquote retired during the pandemic and said, nope, not for me. And that was because we are very attuned to be planning for our financial future, but not our future life. And so again, it came to this identity of, I don't know who I am without this business card. I have to go back. And my invitation uh, is there is so much that you can do in a way that feels aligned with you. Let's explore that. And then let's collectively move
2: forward together.
0: Thank you. That's great.
2: So one of the other things that I've been thinking about a lot about mental health lately and the kind of things that you're doing around wellness and mental health, it, it, it was kind of something for, for people of my age, it was something that you didn't talk about, right? It was something you put aside And how do we bring that to the forefront to make it normal, Mm. to make it normal to talk about this and to really help each other in this domain?
1: Well, again, you know, much like I said, the corporate world has changed. This has changed a lot as well. If you think about the athletes who have come forward, if you think about the tools that we have where we can pick up our phone now and be able to connect with somebody. So I think it is changing. I think the question is, do we need mass acceptance to be able to take the right step for ourselves so what is that you know and what is it that's driving either the decline to a person's mental health or what is it that uplifts it like what are the things that somebody can do that does make them feel better and then the question is why aren't we doing it because a lot of times we know you know when i was in when i was in my corporate life I knew that there were certain times there were like sprints. It's like, you know what? This is going to be a rough couple of months, whatever the project was. And I was very mindful of what is it that you can do that's going to help. The reason why I got into ultra-marathoning back then, it was the only place people couldn't get to me. It's like I'm going for a run and then I'd <laughs> be out for like three hours with my own thoughts. Like That was my way of connecting with that inner wisdom, but just to be out there. So what is it? I think that's a lot of reason I'm not a golfer, but I think that's a lot of reason why people go out on the golf course. Can't get to me for a couple of hours. You know, that's a way of doing. So whatever that thing is for you, whether it's the five-minute handover hot breathing meditation or whether it's a longer way, how is it that you can make that space for yourself so you could see? And I would I would be less concerned on how we do that as a society and more how we do that individually, because our hearts, our hearts, our bodies, our minds, they all change one person at a time. And I think that's why I enjoy doing the work that I do. If I can connect with that one person, that makes a difference. And then it's, it's, it's additive, right? They, they go out and they can affect somebody's life and so on. So I would focus on the people ourselves first, the people in our lives, how might we support them in some way? And then I think through that multiplier, we get to what your question is, is how do we make that more socially acceptable?
2: Yeah. And to help people notice it in the world, not as a weakness, but as a strength that you're noticing yourself, that you notice yourself and that you need help Yes, rather than it being, oh, that's that's a weakness in somebody.
0: Cool. So Kathy, thank you. This is a space for you to ask us questions. So we've been asking, we've been interviewing and talking to you about what you're up to and what you're doing, but what questions would you have of us?
1: I would be curious how your reimagining your next phase of life whatever that might be and it may be 10 years off but what are some things that maybe you're doing now or maybe as a result of this conversation you're thinking gee i may give that a shot how are you reimagining your lives
0: thanks deb i'll go ahead and, and jump in so similar to you i did this journey about four and a half years ago where i did it for about three years before i actually went into it and started this business I did it because it was my passion. It was my space. It was what I loved. It's what gave me that space when I was doing things I didn't want to do. Right. Even though I could create inside of an organization, a structure, a space for people to to love what they're doing and have fun and create things that other people thought they couldn't do. There was more to it that I wanted to produce in in that space. And four years ago, I, I, I stepped away. That's why I have the Macklin connection website, you know, the whole idea of putting my name on the website, that was a whole, you know, that's not, that's not the introverts goal in life, right? <laughs> to put your name on a web page, Right. And, and then somebody said, well, you, you've got a podcast voice. You need to create a podcast. And I went podcast. I've never done that. I don't even know what my voice sounds like. What are you, what are you talking about? Right. And then we, we started to work on that and found somebody who could kind of help us with that space. And as we're going through our programs, right? Cause we have a, an 18 week course that people sign up and go through. And in that course, one of the things we talk about is the story in your head and it made really clear, like, Oh my gosh, that's, a, that's the name for the podcast, the story in your head, because what we really do is what we are up to and our ambition, like all of our, our business vision and our mission, right, is to create space for people to be aware that there's a story in their head and that they can rewrite it however they choose to rewrite it. And they wrote it the first time, although we think we got it from somebody else. They wrote it the first time. Right. And with that, you gives you the author permission to rewrite it. When you become aware that, it's just a story in your head. And so part of what we do is, is for our podcast. And then when you started coaching, right? Cause people were like, well, I need more help than that. What you got in that course I need more. I need coaching. Right? So now we got coaching. We've got a course. We've got like a next level course we've got an advanced course and all of those when i started this program four and a half years ago it was i had a four-week course mm-hmm. that's all there was now it takes about a year to get through everything if you do that right and the the folks i got to work with like deb I'm pointing on the screen but for those of you are watching the video deb michelle and joanne and, and the group that uh, we're just kind of moving in a direction together because of what we see the the space that's a possibility and while I I find myself at in, the, in the, my fifties doing things like to create a new business to take on a new challenge, I, I'm noticing that the same desire that I have to make a difference in the world, I find it in twenty and thirty year olds, right? And they, they, they have this whole story like, I don't want to spend all that time in corporate world. I'm ready to do that now. Like let's 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 face now. And what we're noticing is uh, over and over again that when you can really connect with somebody, you can create something that's much greater than a hierarchical organization could do. Mm -hmm. And so that's our passion. That's what we're after. to, I was just working on like retirement stuff. Like, what does that mean to retire? And I was going, well, in some ways, I guess I did retire and I wasn't a corporate job and I'm not there anymore. Right. And at the same time I'm going like, Oh, I'm working more now than than I ever did before (laughs) and doing all kinds of other stuff. Right. And I could say my health and my, but fitness and my, all that stuff is much better than it ever was. Mm-hmm. Right. And I go retire. Well, there probably is a space and time that I would say, I don't I, like, I don't know that I want to do this business all the time. So how do I turn it over to somebody else? So I go, well, maybe in seven years it could be enough. Like somebody could take it over and run it, do this business without me. I was going like, well, would I not want to coach? No, I want to coach. I want to be a part of people's lives. I want to contribute. I want to be a part of that. Right. I'm going like, so I like the word. I think it's in one of your things, not retire, but rewire. Rewirement. Yeah. <laughs> re- right. Re- rewire. And I go, I get that because retirement means, sounds like you're like, you retire to the chamber, right? right. Retire to the bathroom, retire, wherever you're go- going to some place, right? I'm going like, that's not me, but rewire changing the story in my head about what my offer is to the world and where I draw my satisfaction, my, my. What do I add to the world? That makes sense. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think I've got probably two rewirements left. Nice. <laughs> so that's that's my passion. That's what we're up to. And if I had a, that one, I would say in a few years, we have 50,000 people who have actually been through our program in some way and can begin to understand and reshape their world however they want to reshape it. And they feel that they have the, permission or they feel that they have, they can like surrender to that they are enough and to create their world, yeah. create their life that they love. Here, that's my, that's my answer. Deb.
2: Yeah. So I left corporate life more recently. <laughs> it was in February and I had always been involved in startup companies, high tech startups. And that was my passion. You know, it, there was so much energy and, and so much, but I started working with Ron on this about six years ago, started leading some workshops and because of the transformation this made in my life and with my family and with the people I worked with, I just wanted to to give more. Mm-hmm. I like give more to the world. I keep I keep thinking about Athena, right? With that the owl on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And the that wisdom that they're that I can help other people, that I can be help to them, whatever help that looks like for them. And so really that was, in February, it was a pretty easy decision to say, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I have a very supportive husband who says, do it. And I have never looked back because it's so, when you get to that space where you're fulfilled, where you're filled up, it's not work anymore. Right. Right? I always heard that what do they say, you know, if you love what you do, you'll never feel like it's work and it mm-hmm. it is so true, but I did not feel that way when I was in the corporate world. It was work. And so, you know, me at this age, mid 50s, you know, finding my passion, it's possible for anybody to do that. Absolutely. And you both look very type B to
1: me. So I I feel it. So whatever you're doing, keep keep it up.
0: Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. One last thing to request from you is share your information with our listeners. So if they want to reach out to you or connect to your website, any email address, whatever that is. Yeah. So very they, simple. They understand it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Athenawellness.com. The book, the online education, the podcast, the blog, all there. And there's also a link to a free actionable masterclass on, on post-corporate life. So if anybody's going through that transition and they'd like to hear about that, it's right up on the banner there. So, And shoot me an email. There's a contact form there as well. would love to hear from any of your listeners.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Kathy. It was a great podcast and a great recording, and I appreciate your time today.
2: Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. At Macklin Connection, we believe making authentic connections with others can literally change your world. We invite you to share this podcast with one person that you care about. Maybe it's someone you haven't spoken with in a really long time, and you'd love to reconnect. Or maybe it's the first person that popped into your head when you listened to this podcast because you thought it would be perfect for them. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.